at like at Psalm 15 and how, however we were raised, whatever our personalities allow for, we bring those expectations into our reading of scripture, right? I mean, so if I'm a person who feels this sense of there's a right and wrong, like I'm a dualist thinker, then it means I might feel more pressure from a text than someone who's a non-dualist, or maybe I'm a person who doesn't like to read things as rules because I also can't handle that. We all have things that are harder for us to tolerate. So um, I think that's what's great about discussion about, uh, you know, Psalm especially because it's poetry. And so if I read it like prose, then I might understand it to be more of a prescriptive um, list of things to do instead of maybe it does just outline for me, this is what it's going to look like the more connected you are to who God has made you to be, this is what that's gonna look like, you know? And, um, but I think the challenge is always, how do I understand grace and allow my life not to just um, sit in that and take advantage of that, you know? And um, Dallas Willard will talk about this idea of grace and says that grace is not opposed to effort, grace is opposed to earning. And that's a good distinction for us to make, um, especially because I don't, I don't know if any of you grew up le in, in more of a legalistic culture, but I did in a conservative, more legalistic environment. And once I got out of that, where I, where I really thought that it was all about this to-do list and these are the things that I do, once I got out of that, I just kind of threw it all, right? And all of a sudden, this legalism, which I was so glad to be away from, was replaced with apathy, um, which, by the way, is not better. And I remember thinking, gosh, I miss the, the days of legalism where at least I felt like I was doing something, you know. And so finding that space where we understand that, yes, we know God uh, in connection with God because of the grace given to us, but we have a response in that. And so the difference is that I'm not earning spiritual favor. I'm not trying to garner the love of God or increase the love of God as much as just taking advantage of the connection that's available to me. Sort of like when we breathe, right? Breath. When I breathe, I might focus on it. But if I don't focus on it, do my lungs kick out? Right? I'm still breathing, even if I'm not thinking about it. And yet, meditation, what we learn from just centering, right? When we breathe, when we focus on our breath, all of a sudden, things open up in a different way. We're able to stay present. Maybe we're able to reduce our anxiety, you know? So it's in the same way we are connected and yet when we focus on that connection when we open up to all that God wants to give to us that's when we experience that fullness um, that we've been promised so that was just our random side note there okay um, so so we're looking today at James and I'm glad that Psalm 15 was the one that we looked at because it also mentions um, language about the way in which we speak to people and why that matters and how it is that we uh, work interpersonally, and also the things that God has called us to do. So I'm going to read it for you. You want to read along? Let's, let's read along. I don't, oh, here it is. Okay. So James chapter 1, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all God created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, 
slow to speak, slow to anger, because human anger is not going to bring about the righteousness that God wants. Therefore, get rid of the moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent, and instead humbly accept the word that's planted in you, the word that can save. Don't just listen to the word, because you'll trick yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who just listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at themselves in a mirror. And after looking at themselves, goes away and forgets what he or she looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being conformed to the ways of the world. So did you notice that there's language about our words, there's language about tongue, we're supposed to be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, right. And sometimes um, th that can be weaponized as, as proof that the emotion of anger is not valid or fruitful in any way. And yet I love that we are then slow to anger. So it doesn't mean that anger is avoidable. I mean, anger isn't bad or good, it just is like any other emotion, right? But like with anything else, it's what we do in that place. And so we understand that our words matter. We understand then from this text that our behavior matters, that it's not just about listening or taking in or consuming the truth about God and who we are, but it's allowing that then to be evidenced in the way that we live. It should make a difference in our lives, uh, the way that, the things that we hear, and they do, okay? My kids, I let them watch this scary thing, and I couldn't, it was like not the mom of the year move, and I went against that gut feeling, but I'm like, but it's cool, because I'm like, you know, cool mom. And um, <laughs> just like that too, that was my move. And uh, it resulted in nightmares and like all these kids climbing on me. Like there was like a leg on my neck at like 3 a.m. And um, what, they, what they saw, what they heard affected what they did, right? And how they felt. And, that's how we are. We are affected by the things we take in. And that's great. It also means that I can be mindful of the things that I take in. And this is not at all a sermon on, okay, be careful what you see here. <laughs> but the point is we're made to be affected by the world around us. And if we were robots, we wouldn't um, do the things that we hear or respond out of that. But Luckily, we are people with, with emotions and the ability to think and process and interact. So um, James is uh, maybe the author, but maybe it's also just a, um, a generic letter that was written by the apostles in that time. Considered to be the first book, I think, that was written in the New Testament. And so at this point, because of the persecution of the Roman Empire, the Christian church has scattered. So it's the diaspora where no one's connected anymore. And so they have these smaller groups. And it's almost kind of like there's a pandemic and nobody really gets to meet together in large groups. And in that place, we know that feeling that can come about of isolation, disconnection, and kind of maybe even a loss of purpose. Where's the centrality of our meeting together? And so 
James is writing to these people in this place to give a little bit of an arena, saying, remember the things that are our most important. And so some of this letter is speaking to specific issues, whether heretical issues, um, Gnosticism, or the Father of Lights, you know, being a reference to Greek gods and, and where things come from, right? But what James is also doing is outlining that it does matter what we do, but that it also comes from who we are. So you'll notice that the section we're looking at starts with this idea of the gifts, like these good and perfect gifts come from where? Above, above right, come from God above, right? So the gift was not meant to be disconnected or divorced from the giver. And then there's the father of lights, the creator of lights. The light that we live in, the light that we enjoy, the light that guides, the light that protects and gives, is not ever meant to be divorced from the Creator, the Father of Lights, right? So there's always this connection to the source. It's never just about the gift, it's about the giver, it's never just about the light or the unchanging nature of God, it's about the God who gives God's self to us. So when we look at uh, this, this idea of what we do with our language and the way in which we speak to each other, we can say that it's bigger than just trying to, oh yeah, I forgot, we're streaming, so I have to stay like here, right? Is that right? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, that it's not just about, I'm not going to say rude things to you, you know, but there's always something bigger behind it. There's always a bigger purpose. There's always something that's guiding and if we just focus on the behavior that we're supposed to do and disconnect it from who we are, then one, that's a lot of things to remember. And two, we're pretty much missing the point. When, when we were um, reading Psalm 15 and you talked about, um, I don't know, Amy, or, oh yeah, you mentioned the, the Jared book. And Eugene Peterson calls it the uh, Jesus life. So the Jesus truth, when it's wed to the Jesus uh, way is what produces the Jesus life, right? So we never just take anything out of context, which culturally is one of our favorite things to do with the Bible, <laughs> is take things out of context, either embroider it on something to hang on your grandma's wall or use it as a weapon. But instead, knowing that every word comes from uh, a broader picture and who we are also comes from a broader picture. And so while there is the source of the light, there's the source of the good gifts. And then James points us to that there's the source of this word, the word that is implanted in us. So we're supposed to set aside this wicked behavior, harmful behavior. And instead, we have this word that's planted in us. So again, what's the source of this life-giving word? What's the source of this, this life-giving direction and what allows us to live as free people again, has its source in God. So we're not on our own just trying to white knuckle it and look a certain way or perform, but we have these things that are available to us and out of that, then we can live, you know? It's not me just trying to love you really hard or, you know, not kick you in the face. It's understanding who I am then and where this love comes from and the bigger picture that I'm a part of that gives me what I need in order to love you. I love the analogy that's used here um, about looking at your face in the mirror and then hearers 
who do not do are like people who look at their face intently in the mirror and then walk away and forget what they look like. James is kind of given this reputation juxtaposed with Paul, who is like, grace, yay, doesn't matter. Or, you know, works is not the point, grace is the point. And then uh, the author of James, we see works matter, okay, and faith without works is dead, right. Faith without works is dead. It does matter what you do. There's really no reason to see that they're not saying the same thing. They just have a different starting point, okay? Because it does matter what we do. There's no way that we can say it doesn't. Me murdering you is a big deal even if I'm forgiven and even if I have the grace of God, all right? I'm not gonna murder, I'm not gonna murder you. We're, we have that understanding, okay? But it's silly to think it doesn't matter. It's also unfair and it's also what Dietrich Bonhoeffer would call our cheap grace. Okay, and that's not what we're about. But realizing that what we do comes out of something greater gives us then what we need in the times that we're burnt out. We want to quit. We don't understand where to go. We feel that stress and anxiety and things come you know, become confusing. Then it's not just about my natural energy or my ability to like you and be kind to you. It's about something bigger than that. And so that's what we're being pointed to is remember that you have this source of light and life in this word so that you can change the way you behave and interact with the world. So the picture given here, if it really was about doing and what we do and the actions that we take, then it seems like it would be a silly analogy for that. A better one would be, okay, so the one who is a doer and not just a hearer is the one who stares at the to-do list and when they walk away, forget what the to-do list said. Or if they stare at the set of rules or outline or curricula or whatever it is, forget what it says, you know. If we look at the policy, the procedure, the way in which we interact with God and humans and then forget it, but it's not that, right? It's not saying that the one who looks at the list or the guidelines and then walks away forgets it, it's the one who looks at themselves, who really looks intently at their own face, what does that represent? It means the one who remembers who they are. When we look in the mirror, what we're talking about is looking face to face with who we are at our core, who we've been made to be, people who are loved, the people who belong to God, the beloved of Christ, okay? It's looking at that and then doing differently or not doing that we see the example. So the doing matters, but it has to come from how we see ourselves and who we are, right? I mean, think about it. The way in which we view ourselves affects everything. It affects me being here this morning. It affected what time I woke up. It affects the way I eat. It affects whether or not I exercise and take care of myself. It affects how I read and how I speak to my kids and how I speak to you guys. I mean. There's nothing in my life that's not touched with the reality of who I am. So if the reality, if, if how I see myself um, is, you know, something other than being the loved one, you can come with, with a million reasons or other things, then that's going to affect it as well. The Olympics, which, you know, I think just happened or something. I didn't watch much of it because... I don't have an appreciation for, I'm just kidding, I do. I think it's amazing, right? Um, it's just that I can't relate. So the male high divers, one of them, the, the gold medalist, one of them said, every time I visualize this since the last one, 
I always think about winning the gold medal. And I was like, all right. So this guy sees himself as a gold medalist before the time has even come. Can you imagine then how that informs and how that affects what he chooses to do every single day? If I am a gold medal Olympic diver, that's going to affect everything. It affects what I do, it affects how I do it. It affects how I work out, how many repetitions, how long, what muscle groups. It affects the people I'm with, the doctors, the trainers, the, the coaches. It, it affects the time I go to bed and the amount of carbs. I mean, everything, there's nothing in an Olympian's life that isn't touched by that reality. You are an Olympic athlete, then that means it's gonna have direct implications. You are the beloved of God that means it's going to have direct implications. You're not trying to white knuckle it by being kind to people. You're kind to people out of an understanding of who you are and who you're made to be. The reference at the end of our section is to true religion. And so religion, in its uh, maybe cultural understanding now, is like a set of beliefs, or I hear people all this time say to me, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, right? And I think it's become an understanding of organized uh, rules or guidelines or rituals, and that's great in its purest form. Um, the Latin and the going into Greek and then the word we have today, it was really just this linking, okay? Lingare in, in Latin, the link, um, which means it's the link between the human and the divine. That's what religion is at its core. True religion, the true link between humanity and the divine, between us and God, then is seen in the way we care for others. Not this set of rules, and yet action matters, right? So please know that action matters, it matters what we do. Can I show you guys something? My friend, uh, is this on the screen? We can share it with everybody? Good, because we will, we will, because I'm so good at drawing circles. My friend uh, Don Arterburn at Baylor showed me this in a modified form, but I'll just do this one. All right, so we are behaviorally based society. Everybody agree with that? Okay, if you don't, you're wrong. I'm just kidding. We put a lot of emphasis on believing, and we're not alone in that. You think about the Jewish community to which the author of James is speaking. How, what was Jews' connection with the, with the law? Yeah, it was everything. They were besties. They like went to synagogue together. It mattered what you did. That's how you knew you were a good Jew, is your adherence to the law. So behavior was huge, and it's still huge. We're not saying that it doesn't matter, okay? Um, but a lot of what we do is to achieve this sense of value, to know that we're okay. Let's say that that's what it is. In order to have a sense of who we are and a sense of belonging and a sense of love, all right? So what are some of the things that we do in order to get here? Yeah, appearance, absolutely. People pleasing, sure, yeah. Conformity either standing out or laying low, right? Doing whatever we can because we think if we can uh, have some kind of sense of worth or value, 
then we know who we are and we experience the belonging and love we were created to experience. We are neurologically hardwired to live in connection with each other. So it's not one of those things that like we can take it or leave it. God has made us to where neurobiologically we need belonging in order to thrive. We can survive without it for a bit, but not long. It's the number one predictor of early death is chronic loneliness. So we're made for this. There's no way of getting around this. And this matters, okay? So we do everything we can. So maybe it doesn't work to try to fit in, so we try rebelling. Maybe it doesn't work to whisper, so we yell. Um, maybe it doesn't work to be with this person, so we change. I mean, there's so many ways in which we behave in order to achieve the belonging and love in a sense of self, all right? So we need that, that matters. My thought, however, is that with this system, with the focus on behavior, then there's a lot of anxiety, you know, where things are, are a little more precarious and, and maybe the love or sense of belonging I get from other people feels a little fragile or contingent, okay? And, um, and, and so maybe it's the starting point that's the issue. When, when we're talking here about being a hearer and a doer, when we're talking about looking, we're talking about connecting with the reality that shapes what we do. We are talking about changing the starting point. So what if we understood that who we are as the loved people of God is already set? There's nothing you can do about it. You're 100% worthy of love and belonging because you're breathing right now, because you were created, because the source has given you that sense of value and worth. Okay, so we start here. This is set. And out of that, we have a sense that we matter. And then out of that, we act. Instead of behaving to get here, looking in the mirror means that we start with the reality of who we are and allow that to inform the way we behave. Being a hearer and a doer is not saying, what is the list of rules that we have to follow? As disciples of Jesus, it's saying, who, who are we? You ever watch movies? And uh, <laughs> I don't know. We've already talked about I don't watch movies, but I know people who do. And there's always this moment in the movie or the TV series where somebody is exasperated and they're following, you know, whether it's like the tired boyfriend or like the parent. And they're like, this isn't who you are. You know, and they like yell it to the person. Or have you ever watched a show in a series and the character does something that's kind of out of line and you're like, that's not what that character would do. That's not a reflection of who that character is. That was uncharacteristic. <gasps> that's where we get the word. Uh, there's no editing on this thing, right? Um, <laughs> you guys won't judge me because it's Sunday. Live. Do what? Oh, come on. <laughs> That's why I try not to cuss when I'm here. Um, <laughs> but the point being that, that there's something about people coming to themselves, the hero's journey is what a guy mentioned earlier um, in the first service. This idea of coming to yourself, when he, when he came to himself, is actually one of the references in scripture. But when we realize who we are, all of a sudden, these things that we've been wrestling with, that we've been trying to figure out, become more clear. You know, there's, there's not necessarily an answer book. And if I'm holding to rules, then I can't be present to a God who's present to me. 
when we try to take rules, when we try to take the action we believe we're supposed to be doing, we try to divorce it from the God who calls us to love. And then we just have pieces of rule that don't really bring about the life that God intends. I'm the vine, you're the branches as you stay connected, right? Ezekiel 15 refers to what is different about the vine, about the wood of, of, of Israel? Well, it's because it's not really worth anything if it's disconnected from the source. It's only worth being burned. And even then, it doesn't really give a fire that can warm anybody. We were made to be connected to God. If we try to disconnect, then the doing is, is not really at all a reflection of who we are. It doesn't matter how nice you are, right? It matters that you act out of a sense of who you are. And that requires a lot less emotional and mental energy than just trying really hard to fake it. Because that's what you're supposed to do. So any of the anxious things, any of the stressful things, you know, instead of just pouring over what do I do about X, Y, Z in these different situations, maybe we start with who we are. In this, in this last part, uh, verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion or the link between the divine and human that God accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted or conformed to the world. That link that God calls us to is to care for those who are most vulnerable, right? And for some of us, that, that justice fight, it, it prompts us. But what if we divorce that then from the fact that this is who we are, then we can go into rage and resentment pretty quickly, right? Then we're not just fighting injustice, but we're also hating the people who we feel <laughs> aren't on that same journey with us. It has to start with who you are, whether it's caring for those who are most marginalized and vulnerable, whether it's speaking in kindness. We cannot just list out every way in which that looks. That's why we start with who we are. It has to be that I'm present. It is so much easier to know, to memorize a list of rules, to say this is what I'm going to do in every situation than it is to be present to a God who wants to speak in that moment. And it starts with who is God and who are we? Who are we? So just, just, just thinking about this, because there's a lot of camps that are going to say that either this doesn't matter if grace is real or this doesn't matter if sin is real, you know. But just thinking about this, this is definitely going to inform this, right? Do you guys see that played out in your lives? If you're in a, a stressful situation and you're spinning out with what to do, and then all of a sudden you come back to this point, it's in those movies. That's what people do, guys. You know the movies. I reference Moana because that's the only one I've seen in the last 10 years, right? <laughs> but she feels this call and she's like, all right, I got to go return the heart of Tafiti because taking away when, when Maui the demigod, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, takes the heart of Tafiti, all of a sudden all that nourishes the Polynesian Islands dies and everyone's struggling to survive. And so she is the one then that's going to take back this heart and bring the thriving nature back to the Polynesian Islands. 
And she's like, this is too much. And then all of a sudden what changes her and gives her what she needs to move forward is this, I know who I am. I know who I am. There's something about that reality and truth of our identity that can ground us in any situation. If you know who you are, right? If you know who you are, then it helps you know where you're going. If you know where you're going, then it helps you know the steps you need to take there, right? But it has to come back and we get so disconnected. I don't know in my life if there's ever been a time when we've been more fragmented internally. It's like we're just walking around as these disconnected pieces and then we use this language of self-care, this pop psychology bull, and I hate it because we've made it into this Self-care, to take care of yourself, means to have a bottle of wine and, and, and pedicure, okay? Which, wow, good for you if you have that kind of, you know. Think about the people in our world who most need self-care. Can you imagine how offensive to be like, well, <laughs> really, you just need happy hour and like a mani-pedi. Self-care, the whole idea of it is connection with self. I'm connecting with who I am. And this text gives us a very good and broad picture of what that looks like. To connect with myself means to look at who I am and to respond out of that. To connect with God means to recognize God as the source and love people out of that. The way I speak, everything has that source. Everything has that push. Everything has that starting place in God. And then that rule becomes the law of liberty. So when the author of James is saying this is about freedom and continuing in freedom, that's how we know it is. It's not trying to convince prisoners that they're actually free. It's really saying, no, this is the way to be free, is to live out of who you are and who you've been created to be. That life is found in connection with God, and that means loving people, not in an effort to get connection with God, but because connection with God is already your reality. And it's out of that place we love. We already have what we need. And now we just learn to live in it. We already are people who are loved and have that word planted in us and know the source of light in life. And as we continue in that, then we find ways, creative ways, ways that are different for each one of us. Ways in which that's enacted in our world. Ways in which you get to love widows and orphans and vulnerable people that I will never connect with. Ways that I get to do the same, right? It all matters. It's not a to-do list that we should feel this, this weight of when I come home from church or when I get done with a Bible study, I'm aware of how my life sucks and how I'm just not doing enough and I'll never be it enough and blah, blah, blah. Or I realize that as I stay connected with God, I know the next step. Maybe that's all I need to think about is what's the right thing to do? What's the next thing I do in light of who I am? Let's pray together. Spirit, may that be what you show us in our lives today. What is the next thing we need to do in light of who we are? in the broader sense of our world, but also the specific struggles that we carry with our anxiety, with our stress, the things we're afraid of right now. Help us to be present to you and please speak to us about what we do in light of who we are. Protect us against trying to divorce your words 
from who you are. Help our actions come out of a deepening understanding of the love that you have for us. As we know that we are loved, help us to love the people around us. We pray specifically for friends, family, people we will never meet in New Orleans right now. God, that you would be grace, that you would provide protection, that you would manifest your compassion and your comfort in very real ways. Help us know how we can be your hands and feet. We trust you, and we ask that you would deepen that trust. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.